This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Going right into the phone calls here to start things out. Let's talk to Frank in New Hampshire. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys. Uh, just to let you know that um, I am arrived in New Hampshire now, and I'm, I'm living in the uh, Hampton Beach uh, headquarters house now with uh, six other people. And I got here from Portland, Oregon on the Monday Monday night. Now, wh- why, are you, why are you in New Hampshire? To campaign for Ron Paul for the primary as part of the Operation Live Fear Die project. Oh wow! Congratulations. That's yeah. uh, you said you came from Oregon. Yeah, from Portland, Oregon. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a trip. Now, what did you? I mean, do you have a job? How was it that you? Yeah, I, uh, put that on I, I hold? quit my job. I quit my job. I moved out of my apartment. Um, I'm gonna be here until uh, January 9th through the primary. Um, so I'd be here about six weeks or so. Wow, that's amazing. Now. And, uh, this is the people it. This... I live with, they're from Arizona, Colorado, Oklahoma, California. Um, it's really a, uh, you know, spans the entire country. It's not just, you know, a few people here in the area getting together. I mean, the organizers from Seattle, as you guys know, you had them on yesterday. Right, right. Vijay um, Boyapati, he is, right. uh, again, uh, for a former Google engineer. He also quit his job uh, in order to work for the Ron Paul campaign full-time, which I just find a mind-boggling level of, of uh, dedication to uh, to this, uh, what is essentially a political campaign. I mean, Ron Paul's a pretty special guy and everything, but still, yeah. it's uh, it's still politics. Uh, it's just I'm still kind of blown away by all this. And, yeah, we did talk to him last night about Operation Live For Your Die, which you can learn more about at OperationLiveForYourDie.com. But in, in a nutshell, it's a, a movement of a 1,000. They're trying to get a 1,000 people. They've got over 400 people signed up so far to move here to New Hampshire on a temporary basis to live for a, a number of weeks here up until the primary and, and actively campaign for Ron Paul. Did you just get in today? No, I got on uh, Monday Monday night. I, I got into uh, Manchester Airport from uh, – from Phoenix, that's where my connecting flight was. So now, how I got did picked you... up from the airport in a uh, totally decked out Ron Paul mobile. <laughs> had the uh, little taxi taxi light sign on top. So wow. Ron Paul had the magnetic stickers all over the bumper stickers. I mean, it was it was it's pretty surreal to to kind of be here and be in this environment where I've been reading about it, I've been hearing about it, you know, and now I'm finally here. And uh, the whole the whole thing is just uh, incredible. I that's mean, amazing. We go out canvassing every day. 9:30, 10 a.m. Get back at four when it's dark. We do about a hundred houses a day. Um, is that a per, per person? We went, we went to the. Uh, is that a hundred houses per person, today, Frank? Um, picked up a bunch of materials, mm-hmm. new information, um, slim gyms, signs, stickers. You know, the whole works. It's it's really incredible. So, Frank, is that a hundred houses per person? Mm, it depends. Sometimes uh, it can be it can be pretty high, but generally we get we get a packet of. Uh, Information that has uh, all of the kind of uh, registered and independent uh, Republicans, and uh, we just you know we take a block or you know we take a side of the street. Mm-hmm. Each one kind of has their own own uh, list, and then we uh, we complete the list and then uh, we send it back to the uh, to the HQ in uh, Concord. So you don't bother with people that are unregistered, and even though in New Hampshire you can register day of. Uh, no, we we do do the uh, undeclared. People. Okay. Um, Undeclared is registered, though. 
Just right. so you know. Right. He's asking right. if you're if you're um, you're skipping houses that you aren't sure of their status. Yeah, we get a list that comes to us that has, you know, the uh, the name and everything, and uh, we don't like just randomly go through neighborhoods. It's it's pretty coordinated. Um, and those those come from the campaign themselves. They are helping us a lot with that. Okay. So we don't have to do the work ourselves because so, I mean, if we had to compile those lists of oh, yeah, likely yeah. voters or independent or undecided voters, we the campaign will do that. You know, the campaign will do that for anybody in any area. Just so you know. Meaning, so. Frank, uh, I'm curious. When you got here, you got into the little Ron Paul mobile. You went, ended up out in uh, Hampton Beach, which is on the right. again, the coast of New Hampshire. Are you living with all Operation uh, Live Free or Die yes. participants? Yes, I am. And what's this house that you're living in? Is it something they rented? I know VJ was on last night telling us that they were trying to rent houses specifically um, uh, for this, you guys. This, per- this particular house is kind of the, uh, I guess, the test bed. Um, this house was rented a few weeks back, um, almost a month ago, and uh, it kind of got started before the uh, the organization really started to get together and raise money and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a family came out here, um, Laura and Wes from Arizona. They got the house. They started doing the work. More people joined in. There's been people that have came and, and gone, and uh, we're expecting new people coming in the next two weeks. But uh, this is kind of the first house, the first official kind of test house. And uh, as I understand it, there's uh, plenty more in the works. And... Uh, we're getting information all the time from VJ and from others that, um, you know, they're getting money, they're getting donations, and uh, they're getting new houses. So. Now, um, Frank, just I, I'm, I think you guys are doing a great thing, and I, I sincerely hope you have a lot of success, and, and I'd like to hear about some of your successes in, in a second. But um, I just wonder, the, the there's some people out there that are going to be unregistered, um, right. to vote but in new hampshire you can register day of are they just right. um, do, do people is it just not considered to be worth knocking on their doors that likely they just um, won't go and vote or we we record if possible if they, if they will give us the information whether or not they're registered mm-hmm. and that information does go back um to the hq and what what they do with that i don't know um if they call them or maybe they do mailings i'm not really sure how well, they Well now hold on that, a second i i'm i'm confused frank i'm i'm a little confused here it sounded to, from what i understood what you said earlier it sounded like you're mm-hmm. only going to houses of registered voters so you're just in, encountering people that are unregistered anyway or i'm 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 not sure yeah, what you're some, saying yeah some sometimes it's not like the housing information is old mm-hmm. or there's different tenants or it's you know Sometimes we get apartment buildings, which there's only one address, but it's actually, right. you know, a whole complex. And so there's there's just changes and anomalies that happen when we're out there, and, and we try to take as much information as we can, and we, we try to get that back to the HQ and whatever they can do with that. I'm not really sure, but so this we're is just your... basically our, – our whole quest is to be on the ground every day at the same time during all the daylight hours and going to as many houses as we possibly can to uh, to get the message out because, uh, you know, as you know, time is running out. So, so what, what are some of your adventures at the door? What are people um, acting like? How's, how is it going um, to those doors? I mean, it can be tough knocking on doors. I've done it before. Yeah, it's it varies. You know, sometimes you get people who are really happy to see you and, you know, Kind of the the older folks, um, you know, they they want to sit there and kind of uh, don't get out much. You know, chat, chat your ear off for mm-hmm. you know <laughs> fifteen twenty minutes. Right. But, um, it, it's it's generally pretty positive. I've only had a few kind of real negative experiences where 
you know, the uh, the person at the door has told me to, you know, get off their property or leave or something. But uh, generally, um, they're pretty, you know, receptive. If anything, they'll just say, well, I'm not interested. Thank you for coming or something like sure. that. Sure, yeah. They don't really, like, slam the door. I've only had, I've had one guy throw up his hands at me and kind of scowl, hmm. but nothing nothing too bad. Interesting. Sounds like hmm. there's a lot of activity going on right uh, there in that house tonight. So yeah, you're, you're there um, living with it, a whole bunch yeah, of other... Everybody wants to say hello, mm-hmm. just say hello real quick. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it, Mark? I mean, the, and Julia, I mean, these activists just coming from all around the country, living together and getting out and and actively campaigning for Ron Paul on a daily basis. Can't say they, us, they did... They, 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 you can't say that they didn't do what it took. Yeah, Frank, keep us yeah. in the loop. Let us I know. Mean, we are uh, really doing is absolutely whatever we can do. I mean, it's just uh, it's just incredible. Right. Well, keep us in the loop and let us know if uh, anything else develops. And congratulations on your trip here to New Hampshire. I hope you uh, you enjoy your stay aside from all the activism. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk yeah, to you again. Uh, one other quick kind of news bit. Um, yeah. There's going to be the uh, the tea party going on in in Boston on December 16th. Right. Well, what's uh, that? So you can just. You can just Google that, and you'll find all the information, but that's going to be huge. Um, from what I understand, the, the Ron Paul blimp will probably make an appearance there. Yeah, I thought, I've, I thought I read that the Ron Paul blimp, and thank you for the call, by the way, Frank. Good hearing from you. I, I thought I read that they were going to put tea on the Ron Paul blimp, that they actually, the, advoc- um, the Ron Paul fanatics out there have raised enough money to buy their own blimp. And fly it around the country, apparently, at this point. Amazing. Uh, they're going to have tea, and they're going to dump it out of the Ron Paul blimp on December 16th. You can go to TeaPartyO7.com to get signed up to learn more about that. We'll come back with more Free Talk Live in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there completely free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, and those features include the updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You know first if you're on the updates list at updates. Dot freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Got a uh, a pretty disturbing story in the world of the internet and child pornography. No, it's not actually about child pornography. I mean, that's certainly disturbing and twisted. It's about how the government is going to use the specter of child pornography, the frightening child pornography out there on the internet, and you know the scary people that make it. It's going to use that as its wedge into controlling your internet connection. So, get ready to give up your internet freedom in the name of fighting child pornography. You're willing to do that, right? You know, a little sacrifice of your freedom for the safety of all children around the world? You know, there's so few people out there that would uh, participate in that kind of awful stuff. Um, it's, it's a real shame that all of us have to suffer. But, Mark, there's a, so few people that do drugs, too, and the government has been waging a war on drugs. I mean, it's, really, it's been estimated that less than 1% of the population engages in hard drug use. Obviously, not counting marijuana is not counting as hard drugs, but, you know, other things like heroin and that sort of thing. So, really, a minority of people 
people involved in that. Well, if it saves just one life, it's worth it. It's well, worth compromising all of our freedoms. Of course, that's nonsense. Uh, and the drug war has been an abject failure that has only resulted in more drugs being on the street, harder drugs being on the street, uh, and people perishing and having to spend lives in prison and years and decades of just wasted billions and billions of taxpayer dollars, but it hasn't deterred the government. (laughs) They keep going with this crazy war on drugs thing. Well, get ready for the war on child porn. How do you think that's going to treat the rest of our civil liberties? I mean, what few we have remaining? Very poorly, I would imagine. Well, the first opening salvo has been fired, and Declan McCullough at CNETnews.com, or actually it's just news.com, CNET reporting, From his blog, The Iconoclast, which I love the name of that, by the way. Yes, I know you do. He says the U.S. House of Representatives on Wednesday, that's yesterday, overwhelmingly approved a bill saying that anyone offering an open Wi-Fi connection to the public must report illegal images, including obscene cartoons and drawings, or face fines of up to $300,000. Now, Julia, as uh, someone who happens to work at a business that offers uh, Wi-Fi to the public, have you heard anything about this yet? No. Okay. Uh, It may actually start changing the way businesses uh, offer these sorts of connections to people. Sure. They can't. It's impossible to regulate that, um, if you know, for the business because they would have to have somebody sitting on duty. You know. Uh, now, if it was worded in the sense that any images that they knew about or saw or well, came there, across... There, there is that factor, and we will uh, get into the details here. But this is, as I said, it's the opening salvo, Mark. This is their first step mm-hmm. into the world of controlling your internet. I think internet people connection. would do that anyway, though. Well, let's talk about what they want you to do here, okay, Mark? Okay. Uh, the broad definition would cover individuals, coffee shops, libraries, hotels, and even some government agencies that provide Wi-Fi. It also sweeps in social networking sites, domain name registrars, internet service providers, and email service providers. So it's more than just someone with an open Wi-Fi connection. Okay. Uh, such as Hotmail or Gmail. And it may require that the complete contents of the user's account be retained for subsequent police inspection. Before the House vote, which was a lopsided 409 to 2, guess which one of the no, uh, no votes was? Uh, Rumpel. Yes, correct. Uh, because repre- it's not constitutional. Whether right. you think, Whatever you think about child porn, it's not worth sacrificing the Constitution of the United States for. Well, Representative Nick Lampson from Texas held a press conference on Capitol Hill with John Walsh, the host of America's Most Wanted, as well as Ernie Allen, the head of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Allen said the legislation called the Securing Adolescents from Exploitation Online Act, or SAFE Act, will ensure better reporting, investigation, and prosecution of those who use the Internet to distribute images of child pornography. The SAFE Act represents the latest in Congress's efforts, some of which have raised free speech and privacy concerns to crack down on sex offenders and Internet predators. One bill introduced a year ago was even broader and would have forced websites and blogs to report illegal images. Another would require sex offenders to supply email addresses and instant message usernames. Both of those we uh, reported on this show. Wednesday's vote, but they haven't. those haven't happened yet. Uh, this one has, though. Wednesday's vote caught Internet companies by surprise. The Democratic leadership rushed mm. the SAFE Act to the floor under a procedure that's supposed to be reserved for non-controversial legislation. Right. Now, now, we elected the, uh, the, the American people elected the Democrats in order to end the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. They have failed to do so, and they rushed this in and, and uh, compromise our freedoms. This is what happens every frickin' time. You know, um, there's a mandate. If there really is a mandate among politicians, they don't follow it, and they they just make the crap up that they um, they feel like they want to do. 
And they call that a mandate. Well, they're just trying to protect the children, Mark. Yeah, whatever. They're, they're destroying the Constitution. This really sucks because, man, child porn, it's hard to defend anything to do with child right. porn. It's, diff- it's a difficult thing it. to talk against. Yep, you're right. That's And they're going to use that as leverage, as I'm saying here, to continue expanding and expanding this? their bureaucracy. You must like child pornographers. Right. <laughs> That's exactly going to be their position. Uh, you know, I don't understand why people are that way about it. It's just They're just not thinking when it comes to it. Look, if we wanted to chop the head off of every male in the United States because somebody might molest children... Would that make sense to anyone? I mean, let's just go crazy and, and, and you know, forget about civil liberties, forget about all that stuff, forget about the rights that God endowed you with. Let's well, just go ahead and oh make, watch out for the children. God didn't create the Internet. Uh, man created the Internet, and therefore government's going to regulate it. Uh, God created man and his abilities. Yeah. It was introduced October 10th, but has never received even one hearing or subcommittee vote. In addition, the legislation God, cheating. approved this week had changed substantially since the earlier version and was not available for public review. So what their uh, Declan is writing here is based on the legislation, the old version. So who knows what it was that they've actually passed at this point. Not one Democrat opposed the SAFE Act. Two Republicans did. Representative Ron Paul, the libertarian-leaning presidential candidate from Texas, and another uh, rep from Georgia, Paul Brown. This is what the SAFE Act requires. Here you go. Anyone providing an electronic communications service or remote computing service to the public who learns about the transmission or storage of information about certain illegal activities or an illegal image must A. Register their name, mailing address, phone number, and fax number with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Cyber Tip Line. B. Make a report to the Cyber Tip Line that C. Must include any information about the person or Internet address behind the suspect activity. And D. The illegal images themselves. By the way, electronic communication service and remote computing service providers already have some reporting requirements under existing law, too. 800-259-9231. So it does say that anyone who learns about the transmission of this information must go ahead and submit that uh, those details to the government. But there's more to this story, and we'll uh, cover that here in moments. Take your calls as well, 800-259-9231. How much freedom are you willing to give up to help the government fight their little war on child porn? This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you at freetalklive.com. So enjoy those on us. The new Zero Blaster shoots smoke rings up to 12 feet with a blue LED light to light them up. You can get your Zero Blaster, a Mega Blaster, or a Mini Blaster. Get your blaster at ZeroToys.com. That's ZeroToys.com. Lots of other neat stuff there, too. You better believe it. Good, fun, kind of techy, geeky, sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. Sciencey stuff. It's good stuff. Anyway, ZeroToys.com, 800-259-9231. Would love to hear your thoughts on the new SAFE Act, as it is being called. This <laughs> is 
They always give them cute names. Yeah. Well, who could vote against the Securing Adolescents from Exploitation Online Act? Who could possibly vote against something that sounds like that? Um, in fact, only two people voted against it. Uh, Representative Ron Paul and uh, Paul Brown down in Georgia also voted against this legislation, which essentially is going to uh, get the government's foot in the door even further. As Declan McCullough is, uh, in regards to Internet freedom, uh, as Declan McCullough at News.com is reporting here, Internet service providers and, let's see, Internet, yeah, Internet service providers have already had some level of regulation in regards to tracking uh, child pornography and that sort of thing. But now they're going to really be expanding this out. Um, essentially, the SAFE Act requires that anyone, provi- anyone providing an electronic communication service or remote computing service to the public, so that could mean an open Wi-Fi connection at a, you know, a, a restaurant or something like that, a it could McDonald's. Be you just decide that you want to provide Wi-Fi to your neighborhood or sure. um, whomever's within, you know, however many feet. I don't know how far one of those things goes, but you know, say 80, 100 feet. If you decide to do that because you feel like being a nice guy. Um, then you're a subject to this. Right. So uh, what they're requiring here is that that if you're providing this service and you learn about the transmission or storage of information about certain illegal activities or an illegal image, you must register your name, mailing address, phone number, and fax number with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Cyber Tip Line. Make a report to the tip line that includes any information about the person or Internet address behind the suspect activity and the illegal images themselves. Not quite sure how you're supposed to get your hands on that. I'm just thinking because we offer where I work, we offer Wi-Fi service, and I have no idea what anybody does at their computer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Number one, how you're going to come across this information in the first place, and number two, how you're supposed to comply with these regulations if you do come across it. Like if you, you know, you work at a restaurant, Julia. If a customer comes up to you and says, "I, I think I see someone looking at some child porn on their computer over there," what are you supposed to do? Confiscate their laptop? Excuse me, sir. I'm going to have to ask you to stop looking at child porn. Well, I mean, obviously you're going to go over there, and he's probably not going to be looking at it by the time you get there. So all you've got is the word of one customer uh, against another customer. I mean, you could certainly kick him out of the store, but you can't grab his computer and say, I'm sorry, but the SAFE Act requires me to hold on to confiscate your uh, laptop for evidentiary purposes. Well, the SAFE Act does not require that. It would have well, they to do be... want you to provide the illegal images to the government. Well, uh, if you, but if in the circumstance you're talking about, um, you can't provide them to the government because you don't have them. Is all you do is see that he has them on his computer. So what you would have to do is you would have to verify that you actually saw it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I can I I can see that you know somebody may want to go over and uh, take a look. And then if you do see it, you would call the police. That's simple. You were going to say something, Julia? Uh, what I was going to say is that at our store, you'd have to have it on your computer, mm-hmm. saved, because you can't even access porn sites at our Wi-Fi. There's blocks. That's a good point. Interesting. And um, the well, and that's a that's a very good thing. Now, obviously, this I feel like this isn't an arena that the federal government should be in. Um, you, and, you think it's not an arena? Correct. It okay. is not. And, and that's really what my biggest problem with it. Now, the the law itself doesn't sound particularly onerous. Although oh, we don't, it does to it me. Does, it does not to me. No, it, the requirements are pretty onerous, and then the next section is pretty bad as well. Remember, I'd Mark, like to hear that. This now. is their first foray into regulating right. open Wi-Fi. The right? law itself. I'm not saying it's implications or anything beyond that. Okay, just well, the let law. Me, let me continue here because you haven't heard it all yet. You're right. Uh, remember, they want you to be able to identify what is a child porn photo, right? Right. Now, 
it's one of those things where, you know, the judges always say, well, I'll know it when I see it, right? And if you see child pornography, that is children engaging in sex acts, it's pretty obvious if it's child porn, right? But then you get into the other, you know, when you look at the definition of child porn, as far as the legal definition is concerned, it's not just children having sex with, you know, on picture or video or whatever. It's also naked pictures of kids in their bathtub. It's also a 16-year-old girl nude on the Internet. It's also, you know, teens having sex. Right. People report all kinds of things. I'm pretty sure my mom's got a couple of child porn pictures of me in the photo album. Probably true. Now, that's not all, because the definition in this law... Which uh, of which images qualify as illegal is expansive. It includes obvious child porn, meaning photos and videos of children being molested. But it also includes photographs of fully clothed minors in overly lascivious poses. So if you got a, uh, you know... Gosh, don't go on MySpace. Yeah, a teenager <laughs> on the beach, uh, maybe with their legs spread in the sand or something like that. What, uh, liver, um, lascivious, is uh, it's, that's really left up to somebody's uh, opinion. It's totally open. And it goes further. Certain obscene visual depictions include a, quote, drawing, cartoon, sculpture, or painting. Mm. So now they're expanding the definition of child porn to include thought. Thought crimes, and we've talked about this before on the show, the idea that should a drawn picture of a nude child be illegal? Well, according to this, maybe it's not necessarily illegal, but it will be illegal for you to not report it if you know somebody who has accessed pictures like that on your Wi-Fi connection. So, uh, going on here, someone providing a Wi-Fi connection probably won't have to worry about the Safe Act's additional requirement of retaining all the suspect's personal files if the illegal images are commingled or interspersed with other data. But that retention requirement does concern Internet service providers, which would be in a position to comply. So would email service providers using both web-based ones and companies that offer uh, other services. Let's see. USISPA has long supported harmonizing reporting of child pornography incidents to the uh, bureaucracy. ISPs report over 30,000 incidents a year, and they work closely with law enforcement on the investigation, according to the U.S. Internet Service Provider Association. We remain concerned, however, that the industry would be required to retain images of child pornography after reporting them to NCMEC, the cops. Uh, it seems like the better approach would be to require the private sector to turn over illicit images and not retain copies. Because if they're holding on to the images, then how could you not accuse them of also being child porn purveyors? Makes sense. How will you, where will you draw the line to say that, well, okay, he's just retaining those images for evidentiary purposes, whereas the other guy's a pervert? Right. Uh, you know, what if uh, the guy who retains these images is, is the pervert, a, a, right? a child porn guy, and he, he has a, a club that uh, meets covertly amongst the, uh, you know, the, the inter- ISP, inter- inter- the, yeah. the, ISP, the sure. company, and they, they trade their, I mean, at what point does the ISP... <laughs> itself become um, implicated the in the... Yeah, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll Failure. tell you, the second half of the law uh, is very dangerous This sounding. whole thing's bad news. Failure to comply with the SAFE Act would result in an initial fine of up to $150,000 and up to $300,000 for subsequent offenses. That's the stick, and there's a carrot as well. Anyone who does comply is immune from civil lawsuits and criminal prosecutions. There are two more points worth noting. First, the vote on the SAFE Act seems unusually rushed. It's not entirely clear that the House Democratic leadership 
leadership really meant this legislation to slap new restrictions on hundreds of thousands of Americans and small businesses who offer public wireless connections, but they'll nevertheless have to abide by the new rules if senators go along with this idea, and so far, it's been a popular one in the Senate. The second point is that Internet providers are already required by another federal law to report child porn sightings to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is in turn charged with forwarding that report to the appropriate police agency. So there's hardly an emergency, which makes the Democrats rush for a vote more inexplicable than usual. What is going on here? Would love your thoughts on this, your analysis, how you see this, where are they going to go next? They've already got their foot in the door, now they're pushing uh, pushing it even wider by expanding the definition of child porn to include sculptures, to include drawings, lascivious uh, pictures of uh, fully clothed teens with their clothes on, uh, kids with their clothes on, more on the way. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 1-800-259-9231, the single CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you like what we're doing here on Free Talk Live, then go and uh, deck yourself out in some Free Talk Live gear. Head over to store.freetalklive.com and pick up uh, one of our shirts. Or uh, We've got the ladies' shirt, by the way, uh, which is uh, we've got shirts and hoodies and all kinds of things there at store.freetalklive.com. It's good quality merchandise. And, by the way, the, the ladies' shirt is available in two colors, both pink and black flavors. And you'll get the, uh, the lovely Free Talk Live logo on one side and then the Free Talk Live website and text on the back of the shirt. And I've seen some pictures of some of our lady listeners in this shirt. And I must say... It is a very nice shirt. These these girls look very good in it. Maybe it's the girls. Well, they're making the shirt look good, let me mm-hmm. tell you. Uh, so head on over to store.freetalklive.com and you can place your order there. But whatever you do, don't put your daughter in the shirt in a lascivious pose, or what could be perceived as a lascivious pose, and put it on the internet. Because is a tight shirt, is that lascivious? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. That's a great question, Julia. What is lascivious? I mean, how do you? Uh, how does one define that? And and more importantly, how does the law define it? Because in the world of legal land, things are a little bit different. Uh, words mean different things. What does lascivious mean to you? Uh, extra sexy, uh, you know, like kind of a dirty, sexy sort of thing. I guess would be sort of in the eye of the beholder, right? Like yeah, as far as this. Well, like, that's the problem with these laws is they are uh, they are left up to the eye of the beholder, and some people think it's wrong to photograph your child naked. Were you saying something? I, it reminds me of the sexual harassment laws that I have to deal with at work. Okay, they're just so like anything can be sexual harassment, right. and it totally depends on the person who's being harassed supposedly and. Here's the definition of Super obnoxious. of uh, lascivious from dictionary.com. This is yeah. Okay, arousing sexual desire. So, if it arouses in someone a sexual desire, it is therefore lascivious. Now, we've there, talked to I was just going to say there are some people who find some weird stuff um sexy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. women's shoes. Well, in fact, we've talked to a pet we had a pedophile call this show, a self-professed pedophile called this show. You remember that, Mark? We yeah, talked yeah. to him for like an hour. Uh and he told us that 
he said it doesn't matter if you manage to I don't know ban every somehow magically wave a magic wand and tomorrow make all the child porn disappear from the face of the planet. He says that doesn't matter to a pedophile. When pedophile can open up a Sears catalog. And flip to the, you know, what I guess they've got little girls, uh, bras, training bras, that sort of thing. You flip to those pages as a pedophile, and they will consider those images lascivious. For them, for a pedophile, an image of a little person, a boy or a girl, in their underwear, is uh, that would arouse sexual desire for them. Mm-hmm. Now, for the rest of us, it's a kid in their underwear. Well, I think that um, that the desire of the law, the, the, the hope of the law, is to uh, prevent... Children from being exploited. The kids in the underwear ads aren't being exploited. And no one's being exploited, Mark, in a drawing. What we're talking about here is a new law that was passed um, with only two dissenting votes in the House of Representatives this week. It's going on to the Senate now, and it's apparently getting good reception in the Senate. This new law is making it so that uh, people that are offering Wi-Fi services to the public will be responsible, essentially, for any uh, anything they come aware become aware of in regards to child pornography. So, if you happen, if someone tells you about Someone downloading a child porn photo on your Wi-Fi connection. If you become aware of it, according to this law, you have to snitch that person out to the federal government and apparently also have to retain the images. Not only do you have to send the images to the feds, but you have to retain the images as well, which I find extra bizarre but the the most disturbing part about this is the fact that they're claiming that not just regular old child porn qualifies as child porn anymore now if it's a drawing a cartoon a sculpture or a painting it will qualify Mm. so no this isn't about keeping child porn out of anybody's hands this is about the federal government getting their hands onto the internet and uh, regulating us to death that's what this is about because the idea that uh, a cartoon is hurting anybody, in my opinion, is patently absurd. And this is disgusting and frightening. And if it hurts you to look at it, don't look at it. Well, that's what I would say. Uh, Declan here points out that essentially um, there's this very popular Japanese animation out there called yeah. Hentai. Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, which is, I mean, if you've seen anime, you know what Japanese animation looks like. Well, now imagine Japanese animation except full-on sex. Yeah, porn. It's ludicrous, too. It's it's just silly to look at. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of odd. Yeah, there's, but, you know. it's weird. But many yeah, some the, people like it. Many of the girls in these hentai... Uh, Cartoons look very, very young. They do, uh, from what I under, from right, what I've seen. You're right, and that would mean that pretty much the entire uh, genre genre is 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 now hentai. illegal if this goes through, and it it may very well. Yeah, I don't know. So how how far are they going to take this? Are you going to start making it so that you can't even flip through a Sears catalog online and look well, at uh, pictures of kids in their underwear? What about the guy that uh, posed for Michelangelo's David? Did anyone get the uh, the ID of that guy? I mean, he could be under 18. Which, again, gets back to the, the whole IDing people gets back to the issue of how are you as an individual supposed to be the eyes and ears for the police agencies of, of America? Snitch society. How are you supposed to know what is and what is not child pornography? How are you to know if the images that you see qualify and I love how must they be pass reported? these laws and then expect everybody to be the enforcers. Yeah, for sure. And not pay us for it. Well, and if you don't enforce, businesses. if you don't enforce, they'll charge you $150,000. And the next time around, it'll be $300,000.
And also, here's the other point. How can they expect everyone to know about this? It's just another law. Yeah, there's it's, so many of them out there. Right, it's another federal government law. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna know about this unless they happen to be listening to Free Talk Live or they happen to be reading Declan McCullough's articles. This isn't going to get front page news. This isn't going to hit the, you know, the news media. They're not going to outline all the different things. Okay, citizens, here's a new law that you need to comply with. If you spot anybody looking at anything that seems to remotely resemble something that could possibly be child porn, including drawing scars, Sculptures, cartoons, and paintings. You better report it or you could go to jail. Then here's the phone number you'll call. Okay, we'll repeat that number. Make sure you get it down. And, uh, you know, the weekly could, newsletter. Who could possibly be expected to be able to comply with these regulations? Who could be expected to even know they exist? Are you supposed to find out after they levy you with a $150,000 fine? That's generally how it goes. Unfortunately, that that's that's what they do. They enforce the law, and then that's how people find out about it. And they're like, whoa, hey, I didn't know anything about that. And then the story comes out about somebody's life being ruined, not the new law, but the life being ruined yeah. by the new law. And then, you know, people figure it out. Holy crap, that person's life was ruined. Well, the fact is, as far as this law is concerned, it does specify that you have to be aware of the activity. So at this point, they haven't gone so far as to say that any activity that happens on your Internet connection, you're responsible for. Whether you know about it or not. They haven't gone that far yet, but <laughs> maybe that one's just around the corner. It's it's still uh, real ugly um, when you start thinking about, you know, if, you're, if you know your roommate uh, is into hentai. Right. Now you have to snitch him out? Yeah, is that what has to happen? And the, the cops generally, I'm sure that there's cops out there that like hentai, Um But probably, you know, once, they, once something gets reported, that's when they really wheel into action. And I think... You know, now the law forces people to report, and so therefore, the you know, what's going to happen? I just, I, it's not going to be good. No, this is very disturbing. It's yet another, uh, yet another advancement of the snitch society. The idea that uh, you have some sort of responsibility or obligation to tell on your neighbors and friends and family. And I'm sorry. In a case where no one was hurt. Right. And I'm sorry, but I don't have an obligation. I don't. And I don't care that a bunch of jerks in Washington, D.C. sat around and wrote something down on a piece of paper. The fact that they wrote something down on a piece of paper and then they all said, yes, I'm in favor of this, doesn't create an obligation. And if you think it does, I would love for you to explain to me through what magical, fantastical process that actually occurs. 800-259-9231. Hmm? How is it that a bunch of people sitting in a room somewhere can sign their names on a piece of paper or raise their hands or say I, and that creates an obligation on me to do something? Hmm? Well, I don't know that it necessarily creates an obligation, but in reality, they will put you in jail if you don't. Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) So I'm obligated to do this if I don't want to suffer a $150,000 fine or $300,000. It's not an obligation. It's a a threat. Okay, threat. Yeah, it's just a threat. I guess we should call it what it is. They're threatening everyone with a Wi-Fi connection. I would agree with you. They have not, um, you know, made their case and created in you an obligation, but you know, they're going to punish the hell out of you if you don't do it. This is out of control, and I would love to hear from you as to your thoughts. Hour number two is on the way. Of course, we've got other things to talk about. Uh, somebody wants to email about privatizing the roads. That's an uh, evergreen topic here on Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. And as always, you can bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. What's the next step, by the way? What, what's the next step the government's going to take in uh, regulating your Internet freedoms? This is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. 
Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch an hour number two of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls. We talked to Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Matt, what's on your mind? Oh, good evening, guys. Hey, Matt. Good evening, Julia. Hello. Um... I just wanted to give my little take on what might be going on here. Okay. I'm going to sound a little bit like a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Uh, there's something that they're supposed to be coming up with called the um, um, mm-hmm. uh, Internet 2. Oh, okay. I've heard about this. Web 2.0? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, no, no. Web 2.0 is a sort of a type of website that you can access, which is interactive for people, and you can leave comments and that sort of thing. Okay. Internet 2 is, uh, what is it, Matt? It's essentially a higher speed version of the Internet or something? Yeah, it's, 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 and it's supposed to be run by, I think, AT&T or one of those phone companies solely, so there'll be a lot more control over it. Great. And uh, one of the ways that people would be able to get around um, the Internet to, should they, um, should they have to control it, or should they actually, you know, gain control over it and slow down the regular Internet, would be to, to start Wi-Fis, to start, like, neighborhood Wi-Fis and things like that, kind of open source. Mm. And so if they can nip that in the bud... You know, they're trying to get a hold. The government is trying to get more control over the Internet and the way that people use the Internet. Yep, they definitely are. We were reporting last hour on a new piece of legislation that was overwhelmingly passed in the House and is moving on to the Senate that will expand the definition of child pornography to include um, pictures, uh, picture, like drawn pictures, uh, sculptures, will include uh, animation, will include, uh, I don't know, maybe even text stories before uh, all is said and done. But they're, uh, they're expanding the definition. They're making it so people that become aware of pictures like this uh, will have to report it to the government or suffer several several hundred thousand dollars in fines and for instance when i was uh, when we were on the news break johnson uh, our former co-host and store manager sent me a picture of some tentacle porn which is a you know one of the subgenres of hentai uh, it, which is a which sp- i totally do not understand sort of <laughs> japanese uh japanese anime but it's triple x uh, basically, and I don't know how old that girl was supposed to be in that picture. She didn't look too old to me, but... But then again, the cartoons, the, the girls usually have huge breasts, but they look like they're eight. Yeah, so <laughs> what are you supposed to do about that? Was I, you know, if this if this law were to be passed, would that mean that I would have to snitch him out to the federal government or, you know, face fines? Does that mean if someone emails me, uh, you know, one of my listeners emails a picture like that to me, that I have to snitch out my listener? Well, I can tell you I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to snitch out anybody for this stuff, and I'm sure other people won't as well, so the federal government can go take a hike as far as I'm concerned. But uh, there are a lot of people that are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to have their businesses ruined. It. They're going to be frightened. They're going to shut down their Wi-Fi. They're going to make it so people can't get online anymore. And this is going to have, uh, uh, this is going to be pretty negative, I think, as far as freedom is concerned. And I think you're right. They are trying to take control of the Internet. Did, did you say tentacle form? Yeah, that's... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 
Like tentacles? I mean... Yeah. Like uh, octopi tentacles? Like monsters, demons with tentacles um, violating young women. And believe it or not, it's pretty popular online. I'm sure if you type it into Google, you'll find all kinds of things to look at. But you might have to report yourself. This would be a way that I would think that the government could, if if somebody was running a um, uh, Wi-Fi and allowing people to go on and bypass their, their control... They would be able to perhaps send images over their Wi-Fi network, and if you know they didn't report them, then arrest them. Um, the other thought that occurred to me is that you know the government has like no, like no fly lists now, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that they could, uh, if if they think that these people are terrorists, they could find out how these people were accessing the internet and actually send porn to their computers, pretty much hidden, and uh, come in and bust them for child porn, too, if they wanted. Well, you know, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that a a law enforcement officer has planted evidence in order to, uh, you know, catch somebody doing something. I would sincerely hope that someone who is as far along in law law enforcement to be in the FBI or something like that wouldn't do such a thing, but... You know, I know that I know that statistically it has to have happened. The question is, how many FBI agents have planted evidence, and how many would do it in order to, um, you know, just on the the order of a superior? Well, I wouldn't trust them anymore. No, me neither. Matt, thanks for the call, dude. Good hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. I don't know if he was entirely accurate on his predictions about Internet two. I've heard some rumors about it. I don't know if it's coming anytime soon. I don't know if it's just something in the rumor mill phase. But one thing he is accurate about is that the government definitely wants to get its hands deeper and deeper uh, into uh, controlling your internet connection. Right. Rega- regardless of the reason, it's not going to be good for. Uh, it's not going to be good for the Constitution. It's not going to be good for freedom. It's not going to be good for. America. Yep, 800-259-9231. So we continue with your calls. You can bring up anything. Let's talk to Kenneth in Colorado. Kenneth, you're on Free Talk Live with the Julia and Mark. Hi, guys. and Julia. How you doing? Great. Um, What's on your mind, Kenneth? I'm calling about... Uh, well, I got a little note and a couple small issues. Uh, first of all, I wanted to point out that Ron Paul Blimp needs a little more cash by the end of the evening. Okay. They're looking for... Looks like now about forty-seven thousand more dollars by the end of the evening in order to stay on schedule. Supposedly, uh, they can't make Boston by December fifteenth unless they get that much money in. Mm. And so, uh, anybody, you know, the deal is that uh, it's a uh, blimp all painted up with Ron Paul stuff, and it's going to fly over events and stuff. And right, it's a really good visibility. Thing. Yeah, I heard they're going to take it down to Walt Disney World, which is that's got to get idea. news. That's got to get news. Right, so if anybody's been delaying getting to it, uh, this would be a really good time. What's the website? Do you know? Uh, it's ronpaulblimp.com. That's easy enough. Yeah, you yeah, you would so, have thought uh, that somebody would have snatched that up sooner, but... <laughs> so, right. what else is on your mind tonight, so, Ken? Um, uh, there was another quick thing. Um, the YouTube streaming... Or, well, you don't know that. Um, the bit about the, the camera being confiscated by the cops... Yeah, and, a listener of ours had his camera taken. the video? Yes. Yeah, um, part of the infrastructure to get around that it already exists. If you go to YouTube, there is a way to, what do they call it? They call it quick capture. There is a way to do a quick capture of a video on YouTube instead of uploading processed video. Okay. And if somebody can figure out how to wire a camera into that, 
you know, through their computer or something like that, maybe yeah. with uh, Wi-Fi or something, if there are any Wi-Fi cameras. Well, we know that there's the... Someone sent me a link to the Justin.tv website, which I have been to, and I know that they're using it over on the Ron Paul uh, website. They have the ability to broadcast wireless video to the Internet. I know it's possible. It's just, of course, I this think is it's, a capture to a database, so this might be better. Yeah, I think it's kind of clunky at this at this point. Right. I, you know, you're going to have to probably rig something up. Right, um, but that might give somebody some clues about where to start. Yeah, I, I think it's probably just a matter of I. I think it really is just a matter of someone, some manufacturer, uh, getting together with uh, you know a wireless phone provider, Sprint or something like that, and and offering that as a feature on one of their phones. It's just right. a matter of uh, somebody doing it instead of having you know people having to jury rig their devices to make it work. It is workable. It's just clunky, I think, at this point. And I would say in less than five years, it'll probably be right where we need it to be. Now, what I called about was fractional reserve banking. All right. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to get my two cents in on this because the subject came up on the podcast a couple days ago or on the show, but I just read, listened to it today. Right. About fractional reserve or about the big thing about the money, money taxes, all that stuff. And fractional reserve bank- banking was mentioned two or three times. And I'd say it's really important whenever mentioning fractional reserve banking to tell people what that is. And what that is, is that when a bank loans you money, most of it comes out of thin air. Right. They're only required to have a tenth of well, the actual amount in reserves. Is it a sixth now? Yeah, sometime in the 90s, they changed it to a sixth. Right. Either way, it's not there. So the bank loans out a whole bunch of money, uh, and there's a run on the bank. They can't possibly provide out... Uh, they can't possibly uh, make good. And you have to pay it back with money you earn. Right. Yep, it's a mess. Well, the, once the, the, the bank may create it out of thin air, but they owe it to the Federal Reserve at the same time. Thanks Just for the call, Kenneth. Thanks. Uh, good hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can take control. Now, I think you're confused, Mark. We'll come back with more. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free on the site, so enjoy those on us, including the, li- uh, the live streams, the archives, uh, the Shrine of Female listeners, li- the archives, by the way, an entire year's worth of the show. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. And movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has got a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com forward slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off at AdamEve.com forward slash talk. 800-259-9231. All right, so this isn't a money show. It's not an uh, investment program or anything like that. And, and honestly, we're amateurs at the, this whole banking system thing. But, uh, you know, we, we know a little bit. And I was a little confused about what you were saying a few moments ago, Mark, before we went to the break there about fractional reserve banking. What is your understanding? My understanding is is that the, the banks get their uh, money from the Federal Reserve. Banks have banks, and those banks are central banks. And that central bank is the Federal Reserve system. Them. That's uh, correct. Now that the banks themselves don't 
loan out the money, but that their money comes from the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve isn't going to allow a bank to create money out of thin air, but in fact, they um, they create the money out of thin air and then loan it to the bank and then hold them responsible for it. That's not as I understand it. Um, and I was watching recently a presentation from the uh, the Mises Institute okay. uh, at LouRockwell.com, and it said that the fra- that the central bank loans money out on a fractional reserve basis first and foremost. And again, fractional reserve means that there's a certain uh, there's a certain number, uh, let's take 20%, for instance. Uh, he said it was one out of, our last caller said it was one-sixth. Anyway, the idea is that you have X amount of dollars in your vault, and you can loan out basically... Six uh, times X. Yeah, six times six that, X. up to six times that amount, as long as you have that 20% reserve there. So the central bank does that to the member banks, and then the member banks can also do it again to its loan customers as well. Don't, but don't you see, I, I don't... I, I Literally don't, creating money from thin air. I see what you're saying, but can you imagine that the Federal Reserve would allow a... Um, if you and I opened a bank, they would allow us to just print money, Well, that's why it's heavily regulated. That's why that, you know, you're essentially an extension of the Federal Reserve. That's why it's a nice thing to be a bank, basically. So Anybody can be a, open a bank. You get Well, as long as you jump through the, the correct hoops, you if, can't just I'm go sure it's a hell of a lot easier than opening a radio station. I don't know about that, Mark. I wouldn't go out on that I've limb. I've seen two, uh, two people that were involved in the startup of different banks, and you know, it didn't seem to take that long or be that difficult. I'm sure they had their lawyers working diligently on that. But um, I, from what I read here at the Wikipedia article about fractional reserve banking, it says that when the bank loans that money out, when the loan is paid back, the money goes away again. So it's not like they're creating the money permanently in the economy. It's being created for a, a, a specific time frame, and then when it's when it's paid back, the money goes away. So it was my understanding uh, that a bank is held responsible for the money that it lends out to somebody. Essentially, they owe it. And uh, if you don't pay back your loan, that they would be, you know, the, the bank is um, gets screwed. Now, if they were creating it out of thin air, and therefore they wouldn't be, you know, what are they losing? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. If you do, would love to hear it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's go to the email box. And uh, Stuart emails in. Guys, I'm a college student in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I also work for a college radio station. He's talking about how he'd like to air Free Talk Live, and we'd love you to do that. Uh, he says, anyway, I've been a libertarian <laughs> since right after the 2004 presidential election. However, since I became one, there's a conundrum that I've never been able to figure out. And that is how to privatize public roads. Obviously, roads, highways, and bridges will be better off privatized. The government just about everywhere does a terrible job of handling the roads. Everywhere you go, in just about every city, there are potholes, cracks, deficient bridges, and dangerously neglected roadways. When the government decides to fix a road, they usually spend way too much, and the road could be blocked off for who knows how long. Privatizing the roads would seem to be the solution. There are so many of them, and dividing them into smaller sections for private owners to take care of would seem to make a lot of sense. I've really thought long and hard about practical ways that this could work, but I usually end up with a roadblock, so to speak. (laughs) I think that privatizing the roads is one of the most complicated issues facing a libertarian society, and here are a few of my ideas and conundrums based on the subject. Stewart says, I believe the most practical solution for privatizing roadways would be road co-ops. You and your neighbors would buy up the roads in the area and manage them together. That is, assuming that you and your neighbors would be willing to enter into such a venture. 
Once all of the roads have been bought up, a drive on these roads would have to pay tolls as they move from roadway to roadway. Tolls could be based on how much impact a vehicle has as it moves through the connecting roadways, which may be a little extra from profit. Roads used more frequently are by default going to collect higher tolls, thus the upkeep is taken care of. Tolls could theoretically be offset by the fact that citizens would no longer have to pay taxes on the streets, making them relatively inexpensive. But that still would be a lot of tolls to pay. A mountain of change in your car would be necessary. I suppose large private businesses such as Walmart wouldn't need or want to charge you to drive on their road. Only residential areas would. Well, and likely uh, businesses like Walmart would uh, sell devices that would allow you to, um, you know, allow business uh, the road owners and uh, drivers to communicate via some kind of system so that they wouldn't have to necessarily, so that you get billed rather than having to. Yeah. I can certainly see that there would be some toll roads in the beginning of, you know, marketization of roads, but I think that uh, tolls are sort of an antiquated concept. It's I think a, roads are an antiquated concept. Well, okay, the, uh, yeah, I mean, if we all had flying cars, it'd be nice. Well, it, it really, I, I, the argument can be made. It may not necessarily today and time be the the most complete argument. But the argument can be made that we don't have flying cars today because of the FAA, that we don't have flying cars today because of government regulation. This is true. And that if the government didn't exist – now, I'm not, I'm not proposing the government should not exist, but if the government didn't exist, that we might have flying cars, or if the government was more lenient in this area. And I, I, I was just going to say on that note that I often wonder how much further along we would be, te- like, just technologically and, and all that stuff, if we hadn't haven't been – our growth basically hadn't been stunted by the government for all these years. Good question. Yeah, the government what... has existed since the beginning of as long as well, I. Mahler Skycar. If you go to go and Google Mahler, I think it's Mahler.com. M O L L E R. The Mr. Mahler essentially had a prototype, a functioning flying car in the what late 60s, early 70s, I think. Uh, you know, Popular Mechanics every single year has a new mini. A uh, helicopter that can be uh, driven without a, uh, a c- c- cyclic or whatever the the term is. You don't have to be able to fly a helicopter. You just have to mm-hmm. be able to essentially fly an airplane, which is a significantly right. easier prospect. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a uh, they propel themselves along, and uh, they have the double a, a, a double propeller on top, so you don't have to worry about that little spinning thing in the back. Right, right. So, um, you know, these things can honestly, they they are very viable at this point. And if we needed to, do, if we if if roads disappeared tomorrow, we could we could do this. Sure. So, well, um, necessity is the mother of invention. The, the, you know, the the idea. I think that we. I think we can't uh, – that roads would have a very difficult time making it without government. That's my opinion because of eminent domain. Um, we managed – somehow or another, they managed to exist before, but they essentially were able to go between property lines and people um, you know, uh, seated over a, a portion of their property for this and that kind of thing. But well. I don't think roads are – we're going to need roads in 20 years, no. if, especially if we got the government out of this mess. The government's probably not going away that soon, but if it does, it would be wonderful. And I don't know if I agree with you, Mark, that, that, that you need to have of a violent gang around in order to make roads work. Seems like an absurd statement. 800-259-9231. Uh, what about tolls, though? Is that the only option for funding roads? Certainly not. Uh, we'll come back, and we'll also share the rest of this email with you. And take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female listeners is there with dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about, shrine.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. 800-259-9231. Talking about the roads. Uh, Stuart has emailed in here. He's having a tough time understanding how it is that we can take the roads out of the hands of government. Now, Mark, you say government needs to take care of the roads. We have to have government handle the roads. I, I'm saying it that would there's... It be chaos without it. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that there, that there are going to be a lot of challenges to roads as we know them today Sure. Um, without uh, the government to be able to come in and, and threaten the crap out of people um, for their land. It's very difficult because... It's government. It's all government property, essentially. So since it's not privately owned, you, it's it, how, the question is: How do you turn over ownership? It's difficult to, to, uh, to individual or right. to whomever, right? Exactly. Um, well, uh, you know, there's, like, there's a couple of ideas there. Like Ian has, uh, he, Ian has a good one, which is in neighborhoods, uh, people would either co, you know, they they would own the, own the the road together, mm-hmm. which I can see some advantages to, uh, or people would uh, each own a piece of the road out to the center of the road, right in front of their house. So whatever which abuts I can, your property would essentially be your which road. I can see some advantages to too. And then there's the other proposal that you would sell the roads off to the highest bidder and that sort of thing. Of course, then you get into the issue of playing political favorites and, and then people getting scared about what's going. Why? Who's going to own the road in my right, neighborhood? Right, the and evil. I also feel like everybody who rents and owns pays property taxes. So I mean, they've been paying for these roads essentially. So why, you know what I mean? Yeah, I but feel the like government the rest... is theft, Julia. I understand that. Means that means those people have already been stolen from. And right. you know if you've ever had anything stolen, the chances of you getting it back are very, very slim. I and... get that, but I feel like people will accept it more if they feel like they're getting something out of it. Like, okay, yeah. here's my chunk of road. But the renter, renters aren't going to get anything because they know they're renting the property. And it would have to go to the property owner, of course, because it's really the property owner that's paying the taxes it's the but just that they're being passed on to the renters. That's assuming that the taxes were paid with property taxes, and not all roads yeah. were built with, pro- with property taxes. <laughs> well, so well I, anyway, uh, Stuart here is, is busily trying to come up with some ideas, and he's going to share some ideas of his own here. But he was talking about how tolls could be a a possibility, and I I believe that tolls are a bit antiquated. I think they're sort of a you know uh, uh, they'll become essentially a relic of governmental road times um, because I think that as he pointed out businesses are going to want to make sure those roads are free. You know, if you want to get to Walmart, Walmart's going to want to ensure that you're not going to have to pay in order to come shop at their kind store. Kind of the way that, uh, you know, toll, there's toll parking out there. You can build a building and then let people park in that building. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, called a parking garage. And But if that parking garage is attached to a mall, those people that have stores in that mall have an agreement with the parking garage that they can stamp, validate yeah. uh, your parking, uh, you know, ticket so that you don't have to you the uh the shopper don't have to pay in order to park at their mall. Sure. And I think that there are plenty of services uh that you get here in America and in, in, in just in general 
uh, that you don't that you can enjoy without having to pay for. This radio show is one of those things, um, and so there's no reason why many roads wouldn't be advertiser supported. We already have roads with billboards on them today. Um, it would just simply be another source of revenue for those people that are uh, that are taking care of the roads. Roads could have sponsors. You could have instead of a bunch of billboards, you could have just one sponsor for an entire stretch of road. Uh, you know, the GM Michelin Highway or something like that. It, that's that's likely. I would think that um, if. It would seem to me that the businesses would spring around, spring up around the advertising, and uh, you know, a one sponsor road doesn't make a lot of sense to me. When you can put um, a billboard after billboard after billboard, when you can essentially make a zigzagging line of billboards facing in both directions, when you have the opportunity to do that, and you're not uh, restricted by zoning rules yeah. and things like that, when you have that opportunity. It it would be an incredible but Mark you uh, know cash I'm just throwing out some ideas and you and I and Julia we don't know how the marketplace would actually handle this I mean one of the uh, the other uh, a counterpoint counterpoint to what you're saying there Mark would be that some consumers might not want to see that many signs they may want to have a more pristine road uh, with more natural beauty they may and, very well want um, want that and, and it could very well just be a sign that you know when you get on that road it'll say you know this road brought to you in all its natural beauty by Firestone or something. Like that. I'm just throwing out ideas here. I would love to hear yours as well, but let's continue with Stewart's email. He says, there's also the inevitable problem of a business eventually buying up roadways and charging exorbitant amounts to drive on them. The market could determine your way through town, but what if there simply is no way around paying the road cartel? For instance, let's say that a road business owns a river and you have to use their bridges to cross. They aren't about to allow anyone else to build a bridge or a tunnel or run a ferry service on their river. You're simply stuck on one side unless you can't unless you can pay the toll. And this cause this is a similar uh point to what some people will say, well, we can't have the um uh, someone besides the government pay offer water services. What happens if they charge too much? Well, the fact is you can only charge what the market will bear. I mean, eventually, if you charge too much, no one's going to ride on your road, and you're not going to make any money. The fact is, these people are in business to make money, and when it comes to roads, like with you know groceries and other businesses, uh, it's volume that you make your money on. You don't make your money one car. You know, you don't make a boatload of money on one car. You make a little on one, a little on the next, and a little on the next after that. Uh, so so little that it's inconsequential to people, so to where they'll want to ride on your road instead of the other people. So I think that's that one's a little unrealistic and a, and a bit ignorant of of the way the marketplace functions. And and even if that does does happen if some madman decides to raise the prices to the point where only the richest people in society could possibly afford to drive on those roads? I'm sure the rich people would just say, you know what, these tolls are crazy, I'm buying a helicopter, or whatever, and then those uh, flying cars would all of a sudden become very much in fashion if people started charging too much for the roads. Well, the roads, I believe that the roads problem is going to be solved essentially by flying cars. And, you know, it's the government regulations that have gotten, that have, like Julia said, slowed down the economy to the point we don't have flying cars. Right. It's the government. It regulates. Regulate means slow down. That's what it means. I often wonder, uh, for example, we live in New Hampshire, and right now it's snowing season, Mm -hmm. and so they have to salt the roads over, and the roads are in pretty bad condition because the salt ruins the roads faster. I think the cold also, you know, it expands and contracts, and that cracks the road. I wonder, I mean, I don't know anything about road construction whatsoever. 
Um, and roads are done the same way because there's no reason to do them any other way because the government's pretty much in charge of all of them. Yeah, they don't have to innovate. But I wonder, I mean, are there other materials you can make roads out of? Um, c- what about heated roads? Is that possible? Those sure sorts it is. of ideas? Well, the fact I mean, is the government isn't putting money into research and development. Exactly. You know, they don't have to. So I wonder, I mean, if we turned roads over, somehow got them privately run, I mean, how much better... Could they and would they be? It's well, hard to imagine. It is absolutely hard to imagine because imagine being in 1850, riding in your riding on your horse or your uh, horse and buggy or whatever, and then trying to imagine a car or an airplane yeah, or a helicopter, a, a hovercraft. Right. Try to imagine. You know, I mean, that's it's so far removed. And we got all those things not because of government innovation. No. Definitely because there's not. no such thing as government innovation. Have you ever seen John Stossel's show, The Government Car? What's it called? It's <laughs> no, so I funny. Don't. Have I seen that? I don't know. It's in, um, he, bring, he brings it up in his health, his um, rebuttal to Michael oh, Moore's. With the old uh, Russian car, whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, it's the government car. The government tried to build a car yeah. and the best they could build. And he shows it. It has a really funny name. And he showed it to Michael Moore. And it was just really funny. It was just the crappiest car ever. Right, what did you have to do? You had to actually mix oil in with your gasoline like you yes, do with a lawnmower? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. Well, there's some That's cool the things about a two-cycle engine now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stewart continues here. He says, another problem is just the sheer cost of road construction. He says, a freeway costs billions to build. Sure, large corporations need these systems to ship goods across the country in their big trucks. They could theoretically pay for their construction and maintenance, but would they be nice enough to allow private citizens to drive on them? Or even if they charge tolls, would such a system even be cost-effective? We're on the way here, and uh, your thoughts on this, if you want to chime in, 800-259-9231. The private industry is the only thing that could have ever made public transportation work, and now that we've turned public transportation over to the government, largely in most communities, it'll never work. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free. If you like the show and you want to help support us, then go to amazon.freetalklive.com and start your shopping experience there. 41 categories to shop in, new items, used items, whatever it is you need to buy. Buy it through that link, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage. Just go to amazon.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done. How would you like to lose 25 pounds, and up to 25 pounds, in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. We are talking about the roads issue. It comes up from time to time, and, of course, we have to readdress it because new people are always listening. Stuart uh, is emailing in here with some concerns. He's trying to figure out how we can possibly get the roads out of the hands of the government. And he says that one of the problems that he sees is the sheer cost of road construction. He points out that a freeway costs billions to build. He says, theoretically, a corporation, while they will need these uh, roads to ship goods across the country, would have to pay for their constru- could pay for their construction and maintenance, but would they be nice enough to allow private citizens to drive on them? If, well, if a corporation had to construct something to go from uh, one side of the country to the other to transport things, they would not construct a road. Okay. They would construct a railroad. 
Ah, okay, yes, that's a good point. Rail lines, uh, you know, are a far more effective and co- cost-effective means to transport something from one place to another. Well, and, I mean, even if they were to build a road, of course they would let other people ride on it, especially if they could sell advertising on the side of the road. You have to think about this from a business perspective. If that road isn't going to be cost-effective or is not going to provide a return on investment for them, then they're not going to do it. But if they can figure out a way to monetize that road and, uh, you know, get some non-traditional revenue coming in uh, from that road, then absolutely, of course they would. Most people don't realize that if Walmart buys an interstate across the country and they don't let anybody else drive on it, people are going to stop shopping at Walmart. Yeah, they'd be pretty... They'd be pretty ticked off. It'd be stupid, and they know it. So, yeah, I mean, it would be an investment, and they would be expecting to make their money back by a certain point from advertising and, you know, maybe tolls or whatever other uh, factors they could possibly figure out. Who knows what they would come up with to uh, to turn those roads into cash. Anyway, he says uh, if they charge tolls, would, would such a system even be cost-effective? It could lead to an increase in air travel, I suppose, and less dependence on private vehicle travel. That would lower greenhouse emissions and the overall environmental impact a freeway has, but it would also mean the end to a lot of freeway businesses. I simply don't see how our modern freeway system would be able to sustain itself in the free market. Oh, I, it, it, the the modern freeway system is entirely created around uh, you know, government ownership of roads, and it would absolutely have to change in some, I, you know, for the better or for the worse, I don't know. It would have to change uh, if, it would, if we're talking about private ownership. Yeah, and the it fact is, to. those private owners are going to get better deals on the road construction and the maintenance because they'll shop it around. Oh, yeah, whereas, they're going to pay far less for it. Right. Uh, they're going to they're going to do a far better job. And than as Julia said, what about the innovation factor? That's something that ne- none of us can the look durability at here. The durability and uh, the innovation and durability. I don't. Right. I think that these roads that they would construct would be far better. Could last for decades uh, without well, having to be they, replaced. They'd last for decades now, but they, you know, more decades without getting potholes and that sort of nonsense. I mean, I've seen some roads around here that aren't that old that have, you know, looked aren't looking that great. You're right. Up north, it's uh, worse than it is down south. So anyway, I, my point is, ignoring the innovation factor is a major point. And we can't possibly fathom what those innovations would end up being, what competition would would bring in the way of innovation and new ideas for roadways. And so there's that there's a huge factor there that really we can't even barely speak to. He says, finally, there's always the matter of maintaining order. Private roadways could, of course, have whatever rules and speed limits they want to have and hire private security to enforce them. And this could be very expensive for a small road co-op and a lot of them probably wouldn't just bo- just wouldn't bother with him. The bigger question would well, be... Well, the road co-ops uh, would likely be neighborhoods, and neighborhoods would likely put in speed, speed damp- bumps, damp- dampening uh, uh, devices, whether they were, uh, I don't remember what they call them, but the little medians, that's, they're not medians, but the, the, the sections of land that come out into the road. Yeah, yeah, um, I've seen those. those are, what's oh, that? I was going to say, aren't those medians? They're not medians. No. Um, it, it's it's coming off from the side of the road, like not from the center of the road. Peninsula or something. Yeah, right. It, the you know it's it's a traffic calming device, and right. and then they have you know of course speed bumps and all kinds of ways to make it so that people don't uh, don't sure. speed. And again, once again, there's the there's the innovation factor. Who knows what else they might come up well, with? Well, if and if you're talking about a neighborhood and um you you and it's a neighborhood where you live and you have a practice of going 60 in a 25 mile an hour mm-hmm. zone it wouldn't be too difficult for somebody to, to uh you know get your uh, picture of your license plate or whatever and uh for the co-op themselves to say look you've got a uh, you've you've got a, here, here's your punishment whatever yeah. it is if it's a fine um, it could be contractual, you know. It, it could be in your absolutely. Agreement. You own you're, you're part of the co-op. You know, you own part of that road. If you want to be able to drive to work tomorrow, yeah, you better pay that fine in the next 15 days. He says, well, the bigger question will be who would settle things when there's a wreck. 
I would imagine the solution would be some sort of private wreck analyst probably included in your insurance policy that could come out and assess the damage and assign blame based on evidence and testimony. Each person's analyst would come out, write a report, and the insurance companies could settle on who's at fault. And I who's hate when I get in an accident and the other people at, like have to call the cops. I hate when the cops come. Well, the, you know, the, the cops are there to sort of uh, arbitrate you know, what happened here, who who was at fault, and all that other stuff. And... You know, uh, it's unnecessary. The insurance, uh, an insurance adjuster would be significantly cheaper than a law enforcement officer. Uh, you know, he, I, I don't see why an insurance company couldn't and I, have that. I understand that there are some sleazy people out there, but all of the car accidents I've been involved in, whether I've been hit or, or I've been with someone who's been hit or or whatever, pretty everybody's pretty much honest about it. Like, okay, it's it's my fault or it's your fault. Yep. I don't, I've never really had any issue. Well, with even that. With, now the uh, the insurance company um, factor will negate any dishonesty that would come about. For instance, if two insurance claims adjusters come out there and they both disagree on the details of the accident, then they'll both take their notes and they'll both take their pictures and whatever, and then they'll go to an arbitrator and oh, the arbitrator will decide. I'm sorry, Ian. Uh, the, the insurance companies would themselves wouldn't have their own adjusters that would go out. That that doesn't make any sense at all. Any more than an insurance company has a property appraiser that they uh, send out to uh, different areas. They would hire somebody um, and there would be people, just like there's Property appraisers. Now there would be somebody that insurance companies would hire that would, uh, you know, whose reputation's on the line. In the same way, a property appraiser's yeah. reputation on the line is on the line. He can lie about how much um, somebody's property is worth. He could do that and likely um, be, uh, pull it off, but he'd only do it once. And you know, uh, a guy would lie about an accident only one time in that line of work. Anyway, he says, I'm sure there are practical market-based solutions to all these problems, and privatizing the road would make things better, just having troubles with the details. Maybe you guys and your listeners could come up with some solutions to this stuff, and I hope that we have, and uh, maybe made you uh, think a little bit and suggested some other options that you might not have thought of. And of course, I'm always open to ideas. would love to hear your thoughts as well on anything you want at 800-259-9231. In the meantime, we go to Lee in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Lee. Hello, gee, I called on something different, such as fractional banking, but for some reason we're just right on the same track here with roads and the Mueller car and the whole bit. Um, roads is kind of the reason that the Mueller car can't get off the ground, and the guy's a genius. And the only way I was being on my pre-call interview uh, when you were saying how many years he'd been on it, but somewhere around 20 years, just pure tenacity. This guy's got pure tenacity. He's got $30 million plus of his own money hmm. invested in developing the thing. And literally, with what would be called small lot mass production, can be built for not virtually any different than a, a, a new Hummer. Sure. You and could buy an air car for a new Hummer. I take issue only with... They can't control the air the way they can control the... You'd say, well, wait a minute, they can control the air real good. they got FAA. Well, FAA doesn't want to be keeping track of cars. They're going to show up on their radars, depending on altitude. So, you know, they got a whole different world which limits their amount of control. Right. Well, it's the FAA that has essentially told Mueller that, sorry, you can't sell this to the general public yet nope. until we say okay. Yep, yeah, I mean, and, but just, you know, they told him that 15 years ago that right. I know of. Right, and he's still waiting. 
He's still waiting for something to change, for another, you know, for the hat to drop to where he can offer this up to uh, to, we to would buyers in the marketplace. Be flying around in those, and once he got his up, well, gee, a whole bunch of guys would be up there with their derivatives. Yep, you're damn right. Can you imagine be... the innovation if Toyota and oh, boy, Honda yeah. and all those companies were competing for Sky Cars? Right, but um, that's it's taxes, it's roads, it's government interference, and. As it always is. We're agreeing on all this stuff. What's happening here? It's government interference shoving its way down the marketplace's throat and preventing people from doing the business that they want to do and offering the products in the marketplace they want to offer. And it's tragic because we're all suffering for uh, for it. Lee, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Let's go to Jeremy in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Good evening. Hey, Hey, man. Hey Jeremy, what's on your mind tonight? Sorry about last night. You were just uh, well, sounded a little too sloshed, really my friend. I didn't want to talk about roads or anything, if that's okay, because I'm a mountain biker myself, and the rougher they are, the more I love it anyway. <laughs> Very good. I know you had something else on your mind. We will bring you back. You sound a lot more coherent tonight. Hour number three is on the way here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As long as he doesn't get sloshed. Over the news break. Oh, please. <laughs> we'll come back There's with no more. guarantee that that's what it was. Oh, he's part of the A camp. We'll explain all that on the way. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching in hour number three of the show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. And we want to invite you to to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. It has a proud history of supporting true hard currency. At the first forum, Dr. Ron Paul might have heard his name before. Called for the rest show. Called for the restoration of constitutional gold and silver. And this January, Bernard von Nothaus, the monetary architect of the Liberty Dollar, will be a distinguished speaker. And there's a whole boatload of speakers that we just don't have time to mention here. So go to freestateproject.org/libertyforum to learn more and get registered now. Use the code 2008FTL if you want to save 10%. That's 2008FTL all as one word. Uh, that's freestateproject.org/libertyforum. We will see you there as we go back to Jeremy in Montana. Jeremy, you're back on Free Talk Live. Listening on KGEZ. What was on your mind tonight, sir? Well, um, before I get with um, exactly what was on my mind, I wanted to make it free to you all to ask me questions as well. I feel kind of a kinship to you that I listen to you most nights and talk to you a lot. So, you know, when I call up, feel free to ask me questions, too, but... Oh, very good. I know you had mentioned last night that you were a member of A-Camp when it comes to uh, the Rainbow uh, family, and that basically means that you hang out in the area where everybody likes to drink, right? A A stands for alcohol. Not not only that, but the rule in the Rainbow Gatherings is that there's no alcohol allowed around the heart circle, so what us A-Campers... What I used to do with the campers I hung out with was um, keep alcohol from going past A camp. I mean, if you're going to drink, you have to drink at A camp. Um, I mean, so you essentially have the, uh, the guards. You are guarding the rest of the uh, the occasion from anyone trying to smuggle in any alcohol. Right. I mean, exotica mushrooms might be another thing. That, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't um, think there's any prohibition against that on the inside of the uh, the Rainbow family. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out since I mentioned it last hour. So what was the reason you were calling tonight, Jeremy? Um, well, um, the guy that I rent from, you know, I hate to call my landlord because I only have one lord, but um, it, we was talking about putting Ron Paul signs in the yard, and I asked him about putting a Ron Paul sign in the yard, and he... And I could tell by the way he smiled that, you know, and I had no idea who he was going to vote for or anything, but mm -hmm. he was down with that and everything, kind of make that story short. But uh, Excellent. He, he, he was telling me that, um, and I was wondering if y'all had similar ordinances where you lived that says no putting up of signs unless it was like uh, 30 days before the primary or the election and then... I certainly haven't heard anything, and there are a boatload of signs around here in Keene, New Hampshire, so I don't think that anything like that exists here, but those regulations do exist. Yeah, and in all kinds of communities all around. Yep, so it's certainly something that uh, cert some people do have to deal with. Of course, I'm the kind of person who, you know, I don't ask permission usually to do things, so I would just do it anyway, and if it was a problem, I'm sure well, I'd hear we about it. Yes, never ask permission, he, he always ask forgiveness. That, uh, he, he, he was saying that... Um, that that they've been going around asking people to take them down, you know, and stuff like that, because our primaries aren't until April hmm. and yeah. things like that. And that, uh, that would surprise me in Montana. I mean, it's a pretty freewheeling place out there from what I understand, but who knows? You know, if, if it's trouble, someone will certainly bring it to you, and you'll find out at that point. Jeremy, thanks for the call, man. Good hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You say, uh, Julia, ask... Always ask forgiveness. Never ask permission in yeah. those cases. Well, he did go to his landlord and ask permission, oh, which might be... That's respectable. I yeah, I can agree with that. It but is as his far property. As calling up the city and asking if there's right. any regulations, just do it. They'll yeah. let you know if, if there is. If you're thinking about calling the city and asking them about a, a, a regulation, any regulation, really, you know, anything that you might want to do, the possibility of the regulation uh, uh, exists. So if you want to call the city and ask them if you can do something, here, I've got the answer for you already. You don't have to call them. No. <laughs> the answer is no. No, it might just be, Mark, uh, that they'll put you on hold for a little while, and then they'll try to send you over to somebody else who might be able to answer your question. Which might as well be a no. Yeah, <laughs> you might end up spending another, you know, two hours on hold and transferring from department to department before you find a bureaucrat that is actually knowledgeable enough to tell you no. But eventually, you will get to the no. <laughs> it may take you a little while. 800-259-9231. Haven't done an Onion story in a little while, but I saw this one the other day, and I just thought... This has to go on the air, uh, especially since we were talking about roads last hour. TheOnion.com reporting from Albany, New York. In one of the most merciful disasters in recent years, a Greyhound bus traveling from Rochester to Albany, <laughs> New York, skidded into a ditch on Tuesday, killing a dozen deadbeat fathers and penniless addicts and putting nearly 20 more hapless bastards out of their misery. <laughs> Awful. A dozen, huh? It was a yeah. full bus. <laughs> According to Greyhound officials, the fatal crash occurred less than an hour after passengers gathered their pathetic belongings and dragged what little hope they had left onto the despair-soaked bus. Emergency now, crews... Hold on. People need to know that this is a spoof. Just because you said yes. it was The Onion, not everybody right. knows that uh, The Onion is... A satire. Is, is all uh, satire. And, and uh, you know, as mean as this is, it's damn funny. Emergency, especially if you've actually been on a Greyhound bus. Like, if you haven't been on a Greyhound, then it's not as funny. You can, only, you can only use your imagination. I don't think I've ever been on a Greyhound, but I have worked in a taxi cab and picked up plenty of people from the Greyhound station. Okay, there, oh, I guess that counts. Anyway, we called it a limousine service, and it wasn't. 
Emergency <laughs> crews called to the scene described the remains of the victims as, quote, slightly more lifeless than they were before the accident. <laughs> this is by far the saddest thing I've ever witnessed, said head rescue worker Charles Rabnett, referring to the sea of fast food wrappers, losing lottery tickets, and scorched corpses that littered the crash site. We've done our best to contact family members and loved ones, but so far we've only been able to reach four parole officers and ten <laughs> AA sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Rapnant added, Dear God, what a terrible waste of my time. <laughs> While officials are still not sure what happened aboard the Albany-bound bus, a number of theories have been posited, including icy roads, low visibility due to fog, and the likelihood that the driver, Ron Jenkins, fell asleep at the wheel after spending a restless night consumed by his failures as a husband. Police investigators also suspect that the cause of the accident may have been as simple as... These luckless bastards getting est on by the world one last time. <laughs> Dental records have helped to identify only two-thirds of the casualties, oh, as the remaining ten passengers were discovered to have none of their original teeth left. <laughs> I knew it. Albany Police Chief Henry Goodwin said, Among those, one is believed to have been a recently disowned teenage mother, the other an elderly widow forced to pawn her favorite necklace in order to purchase a bus ticket, and what appears to be the hollow shells of several middle-aged men. No survivors were reported following the accident. In addition, initial surveillance of the wreckage seems to indicate that those who managed to pull their world-weary bodies out of the overturned bus gave up on their wretched existence within minutes. According to paramedics, it's likely that many of the casualties had suffered during the crash, and if not then, for years earlier. <laughs> Thank heavens nobody made it, said Chief Paramedic John Thurston, <laughs> well, that's awful. who described the disturbing smell at the scene as a combination of gasoline, body odor, aquavelva, and relentless disappointment. For a second there, I was worried I'd actually have to interact with some of these people, he said. <laughs> In response to the relative tragedy, Greyhound has agreed to donate $200 worth of rolled quarters and greasy, crumpled dollar bills they had collected as bus fare to a local charity. <laughs> the, casualties of, the casualties of the crash will also be memorialized with a small commemorative plaque that will hang at the Albany station between an out-of-order vending machine and a set of bathrooms where customers can often be heard weeping. It's hard to believe that something like this could even happen, said Albany resident Carl Robinson, who, since losing his home to a fire earlier this month, has been sleeping in the city's dilapidated bus station. To know that life, no matter how dreadful or hopeless, always has a chance of coming to an end, it's so inspiring. As of press time, hundreds of men and women had gathered at the site of the fatal accident to mourn the loss of a perfectly good bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay, everybody. That story was fake. Yes, not true. <laughs> but hilarious. And I'm sorry for laughing. Yes, yeah, the pictures I can't really describe to you, but they they look like I like the guy in the corner there. You can go to theonion.com. Kind of cracked out. Uh, go to theonion.com. Well, if you've ever ridden a Greyhound bus, you certainly see more. I've than seen people not hanging outside of bus stations. I've yeah. never ridden a bus. I rode the bus once uh, from Florida to Louisiana, actually, and it was quite an experience. Well, I think you did it entirely for the experience, right? No, no, I, it was uh, it was a business thing at that time, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, Subsisting off of bus but station food, off of snack machine It's food. not that much cheaper than flying. When you're talking about Southwest Airlines... No, and it takes forever to get from uh, from point to point. Anyway, more on the way. You can take control. And I was offered uh, drugs several times. <laughs> more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. I would never have bought any of them. Who knows who those people are? More on the way. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Anything goes. 
This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. That's the place to go. The features there are for free, including the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts. Free to surf around through serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Sound. Money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and the Secret Service on November the 14th, 2007. All of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to LibertyDollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the class action lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. That's LibertyDollar.org. Yeah, that's or. correct. I'm glad you brought up the Liberty Dollar Mark because uh, we got an u- I got an update from Bernard uh, last night or yesterday rather uh, from his email list. And of course, if you're on it, you got the same update. But if I you am, aren't, I am, but I didn't get the update. Really? I, it, <laughs> Maybe you gave them the wrong email address. I I don't know. It's uh, it's called Alert Number Four Mark. The Liberty Dollar lives. Uh, urgent notice. We're preparing to file the class action lawsuit to begin the process to get your property back. Then he asks people to go and register for the class action lawsuit, as you just did, Mark, at LibertyDollar.org. Plus, the digital Liberty Dollar has been turned on. So now you can check your balance, transfer uh, electronic Liberty Dollars between accounts, and get a digital Liberty Dollar emailed to you so that you can be a part of the class action lawsuit. This is an interesting part of this, the most important part of this email, because we've been talking about it on the air. We talked we talked heavily about it on the show back when the raid happened a, a few weeks ago, and in order to get involved in this class action lawsuit, in order to get the Liberty Dollars, um, their, their gold and their silver returned, that way it can actually be shipped out to the customers that ordered it and essentially restore um, sound money and protect alternative private currencies in this country. It's a, it's a pretty important lawsuit. Uh, because the government's essentially trying to shut down the competition. The government want, loves its monopoly on money, and they don't like the idea that this Liberty Dollar people are coming in there and And it's the first step in uh, taking the gold and silver away from America and the American people. It sure is. So even if you don't have Liberty Dollars sitting in your house right now, what you can do is you can go and, and uh, you can go to LibertyDollar.org, and you can get one of these uh, digital Liberty Dollars. And if you have a digital Liberty Dollar then you can join the lawsuit. So what he says here is that uh, there are currently over 2,500 people that have so far signed up for the class action suit. And he wants 5,000. He wants 5,000. In a tremendous show of support for the class action lawsuit, $2,000 in e-Liberty dollars have been donated towards the lawsuit. So if you need an electronic Liberty dollar to qualify for the lawsuit, just sign up for the lawsuit and send a donation, and we will credit an e-Liberty dollar to your digital account. So uh, he says that, the uh, again, the, the lawsuit action is pending. And one of the things you can do as far as donating to the, the Liberty Dollar is if you send in a donation of 30 bucks, you'll get one of their, uh, what, what they're calling the arrest dollars. So they've had some Liberty Dollars contributed to mm-hmm. this, and essentially they're selling them out at a little bit over the, uh, the face value of the, the piece. And they're stamping, they're hallmarking it, as it is called, each of these Liberty Dollars with a little pair of handcuffs oh. to commemorate the occasion. So the Liberty Dollars themselves, uh, they're original Liberty Dollars, and then they just... They're hallmarking them with this little handcuff hallmark, and Bernard's doing it personally, apparently. Mm. So this will be a collector's item, because they're only going to be doing this until he gets arrested. 
And then once he's arrested, the the arrest dollar offer is over and done with. Mm. So he does. Is he really going to be arrested? Is that confirmed, or does he just? The FBI has told the FBI agent has essentially told him that they want to arrest him. They've yet to set a date to, uh, for him to essentially turn himself in because that's how it's probably going to happen. Wow. Um, so that's sort of up in the air right now, Julia. But that is what it sounds like is going to occur from all indicators. And so basically, he does make it clear in his email that, look, if you send us more of your money, there is a chance they'll take that, too. So if you send in this, if you send in a contribution for their uh, for their legal fund in order to get one of these arrest dollars, you there's, of course, that risk that you could lose your 30 bucks or your 20 bucks or 15 or whatever it is you uh, you contribute, because they also have ten dollars silver liberties and, and five dollars silver liberties that they're going to offer as as also for the arrest dollar. Uh, so there are different options. He describes it in his emails. If you aren't getting these emails, go to libertydollar.org. You can get signed up there. I sent him 30 bucks today because, uh, well, I want to get my hands on one of those arrest dollars, and I was going to give him a contribution for the, the, the fund anyway. Yeah, I, so it, it, it's, it, it's a good thing that he's doing. Yeah, so I, I think it's uh, definitely worthy of support, and I wanted to give you an update on the case. 800-259-9231. Uh, let's see, in other news... A little police state news for you here. According to USA Today, a growing number of sheriff's departments are using iris scans now to, to identify sex offenders, runaways, abducted children, and wandering Alzheimer's patients. More than 2,100 departments in 27 states are taking digital pictures of eyes and storing the information in databases that can be searched later to identify a missing person or someone who uses a fake name. Says according to the uh, president of the technology company which sells the devices he says it's evolving quickly most of the sheriffs are doing voluntary iris scans of senior citizens and children at least 10 metro areas are doing scans of criminals to identify them should another crime occur or to be sure that the right inmate is released now this is interesting because yeah i was uh, going to say um, uh, you know if it has something to do with crime uh, you know detection what would that have to do with an iris scan i mean how how are you going to get a person's iris scan at the scene of a, at the scene of a crime well you can't obviously no, it I'm not wouldn't sure. seem like it to me. Uh, but I guess it's just for identification purposes. Nonetheless, it's a little frightening that they, they continue collecting as much biometric data on people as they possibly can. You know, in the case of, of rescuing an Alzheimer's patient, it's understandable. In the case of helping children, I'm totally, you know, for in helping people in those areas. But I just... I have to feel cautious that the government collecting more and more of this information and, and making it a regular occurrence. It just doesn't sit well with me, uh, necessarily. And, of course, you know, it's actually, it seems like it'd be more difficult to get an iris scan from a criminal. I mean, at least with a with a criminal and fingerprints, you can grab their hand and put it on some ink and put it on a piece of paper. You can't force someone to open their eyes. Well, uh, you, you absolutely can. Um, when you're talking about releasing somebody from prison, you, the vast majority of inmates are released at least a little bit early. Um, they'll, they'll either have gotten some kind of gain time, some kind of parole, uh, something. Some little kind of getting out early. And if you tell the, uh, the guy, look, um, you're not going home unless you do the iris scan. You'll have to max out your sentence day for day, every single day. And if that mm -hmm. means that, in, you know, in some cases it means they could do another 16, 17 years, or if it means they have to do another 16 or 17 weeks, 
most people are just going to go ahead and say, okay, you're a bunch of bastards. You're right. Here's most my pe- Irish scam. Most people are, but then uh, civil disobedience activists like Lauren Canario, a friend of uh, friend of ours here, uh, she does She wouldn't do that. She may or may not. I mean, uh, to some extent, she acquiesced with uh, the authorities in this this last case. Uh, God knows what it would have gone if uh, they both would have held out. But to some extent, she did. She she made a plea bargain or whatever. I think she. I don't remember what the exact details were there. I think that she did take some sort of plea, mm-hmm. but it was essentially they they gave her the uh, the same amount of days in jail that she'd already been in jail. So right. I think she they were planning a, on letting her out anyway. She accepted a plea in order to you know do time served. Nonetheless, I I find it disturbing, and now they're saying that iris scans are becoming more and more commonplace in uh, police departments across the country. So it's never enough, never enough information that these people can have on you. Everything from your physical description to your fingerprints to your iris scans at this point, 800-259-9231. A medical marijuana organization has issued a $10,000 challenge to certain presidential candidates. Very interesting. Come back with more. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are for free. We've got live streams there, broadband version and dial-up version of the show, both available for you at freetalklive.com. Do you have more debt than you can pay? You don't have to file bankruptcy, and you can pay pennies on the dollar. And your credit doesn't have to take a hit. It's a 100% legal, 100% ethical program that will show you how to get out of debt in 90 minutes. Go to outin90.com. That's outin90.com. And it's invaluable information. 800-259-9231. A little bit of news uh, from the medical marijuana front. According to, uh, this, I guess it's the medical marijuana policy. Yes, no, uh, MPP, Marijuana Policy Project. West Babylon, New York. News SLI or NewsLI.com reporting at a press conference in front of Rudy Giuliani's Manchester headquarters this morning with a massive mobile truck billboard in tow. A representative of the Marijuana Policy Project joined two New Hampshire patients to challenge presidential candidates Rudy Giuliani, John McCain, and Mitt Romney to back up their statements regarding medical marijuana with scientific evidence, offering the legal maximum $10,000 campaign contribution to any of the three who can prove that their statements are true. In response to the questions from patients who have benefited from medical marijuana, these candidates have made claims that are flat-out false, said MPP Executive Director Rob Campia. He said since appeals to science, compassion, and common sense haven't worked, we're talking to them in a language we know they understand. Campaign contributions. If Giuliani, Romney, or McCain can back up their claims that medical marijuana isn't needed or that it's too dangerous, we'll give their campaign $10,000. But if they can't, they need to stop lying. And I've seen some of these videos online of these jerks essentially turning s- away from people in wheelchairs. Yeah, they're 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 very rude. They're very obnoxious. They they snub these medical marijuana patients. They act as though what they have to say is just completely useless and just nonsense uh, nonsensical. And they they claim up and down that medical marijuana isn't necessary. They'll you know uh, they'll say that well there's a there's a medical version of marijuana. Uh, there's a, a pill, pill version. It's Marinol, isn't it? Or yes, that's the uh, the official name. It's a THC pill. It takes like four hours to kick in. Synthetic. Yeah, it's a 
pill. I don't know how fast it goes, but it's certainly not as fast as smoked marijuana. Obviously, it couldn't be. And also, um, because it's not marijuana, it also doesn't have the other chemicals that marijuana has in it, which may have some also uh, some other healing effects and some effects that these patients are looking for that they won't they won't get from the synthetic THC. The fact is. Medical marijuana patients, many of them have found, while some have found that the THC pills are useful, many of them have found that smoked marijuana or vaporized marijuana, the actual plant material, is exactly what they need to, to help solve their problems. And right. they've been it's brushed better. off. In a lot of cases, a lot better. Yep. And they have been brushed off and ignored uh, by these presidential candidates. Any responses from the campaigns will be evaluated by an independent panel of medical experts. An image of the billboard, along with full details of the challenge and relevant, uh, relevant scientific data, are posted at medicalmarijuanaworks.org. I'm sick of the lies, said Clayton Holton, who's described who was disabled, rather, by muscular dystrophy and who was snubbed by Romney in video footage widely seen on CNN and YouTube. He said that if our politicians are going to withhold my medical treatment from me, something that's considered torture to do to our enemies in battle, then for the sake of all sick Americans, they better be able to prove that it's necessary with evidence and not just with words. In responses to questions posed by New Hampshire voters at campaign events, all three leading Republicans have claimed that marijuana is either too dangerous for for medical use or not needed because adequate substitutes exist, claims uh, claims that are contradicted by published scientific data. In letters uh, being delivered today to each of the three candidates, Campia cited their specific statements and challenged them to uh, to supply proof. In his letter to Giuliani, Campia wrote, quote, We find it notable that you dismiss marijuana as too dangerous for medical use, while your law firm represented Purdue Pharmaceuticals, the makers of the highly addictive and toxic opioid OxyContin. Given that that company paid $634.5 million in fines and penalties for misleading doctors and patients about the drug, uh, the drug's abuse potential, and given that a growing body of evidence suggests that medical marijuana can reduce the use of such highly addictive opioid painkillers. The billboard will accompany MPP's Stuart Cooper this afternoon as he delivers letters from Campia to the McCain and Romney headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire. A visit to Romney's national headquarters in Boston is planned on Friday, and further events with the Pinocchio billboard in New Hampshire and other primary or caucus states are expected. So basically they're going to take this truck this panel truck with a huge billboard on the side of it, mm-hmm. and they're going to drive it around to different campaign events and essentially try to call these call these guys out. Uh, it's it's kind of a neat little ad. They've got the pictures of the the three candidates with mm-hmm. Pinocchio noses, That's really funny. long noses, and it says medical marijuana isn't needed. We have ten thousand dollars for your campaign if you prove it. So they're probably going to be ignored, but nonetheless, it's a neat little campaign. Not entirely ignored. If they if they ignore them, it certainly shows something about their. I mean, if they feel that strongly about it, they should be mm-hmm. able to prove it. Exactly. Yeah, it should be clear. The evidence evidence should be obvious. So we will see what happens with that. I don't know how anybody has the can have the nerve to say that marijuana is too dangerous that drinks alcohol on the weekends. Because alcohol is dangerous, and I mean, that's getting into the recreational aspect of it, but if you're a dying man, how can, I mean, do whatever you want. Seriously, it, take it really whatever is you want. It's some nerve that these people have. And I don't understand the, the hubris of, of the attitude behind this. I don't really get it. I don't know what their personal... Um, I don't know what their, what it is that they have at stake here. Do they really believe that if they come out in favor of medical marijuana, that their, you it's know, their supporters will leave in droves? View. Exactly. The uh, the statistics show that something like eighty percent of Americans are in favor of medical Even my marijuana. Grandma and my, you know, my 
conservative grandparents are for medical marijuana. Sure. It's a sensible thing. I mean, especially when you have somebody sitting there in a wheelchair telling you, hey, this helps me. This is good for me. I, I have muscular dystrophy. I have uh, problems. I've got AIDS. I've got cancer. And this helps me keep my medicine down or it helps me remove my pain and manage my problems. You know, um, when I started on this show, I didn't believe – I didn't, I didn't think that marijuana should be illegal because I, just, I felt like it was relatively harmless compared to alcohol. Mm-hmm. But I didn't believe people that uh, said that they had medical marijuana – the medical marijuana helped them in I'm some I'm sure way. there are some liars out there. Did you I, ever I'm, meet one in person? A what? A medical marijuana user. Yes. And you didn't believe him? Oh, you mean at the time? Yeah. No. I had not, had met, not met someone in person. I had not at the time. Can you imagine, though? I mean, since you didn't believe it, can you imagine having somebody wheel into the studio and tell you their story and tell you about it's how marijuana ha- helps them and then imagine yourself just blowing them off? I, I don't you, know. Would you have done that? I, I would likely have... Uh, I would likely not have expected to you, normally in an everyday conversation you don't get put in a position like a candidate gets put mm-hmm. you know like where these people ask poignant questions they ask questions like would you put me in jail you know those and then they get answers like well I wouldn't put you in jail that'd be the police right or, or whatever <laughs> you know things like that where that's you know, not my job normal conversation I wouldn't I, I would never come up in that um, that circumstance. So I just I never had to confront it in that same way. I just didn't believe it. But time after time, story after story, right? Uh, video evidence I've uh, I've looked at over the years. I do believe it. Um, I first off would say, who the hell am, who the hell am I to judge whether it helps somebody or not? But I would have legalized marijuana in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I just thought they were lying. You know, oh sure it helps you, yeah. Yep, well, you know, the beer a night helps me, too, or whatever, um, you, you know, whatever it is. So it, would, it didn't matter to me, but I just didn't quite believe it. Now, I believe it. I swear by marijuana for menstrual clamp, cramps, nothing, nothing relieves pain like marijuana as far as that's concerned. Have you tried the uh, the pills at the store and Mydol. that sort of thing? The, the women's... Mydol, does it work? You have to take like 10 of them. It's aspirin, essentially. I take, I do a combination. I take like one a leave, and and the and the marijuana kicks it in faster. And really? It's, yeah, it's it's guaranteed to work every time. You sure you don't just want to get high, Julia? Isn't that what you're doing? <laughs> I just recommend to it to people, yourself, girls who complain about cramps. I'm like, okay, here's what you do: you take in a leave, and then you smoke some marijuana. You'll be You'll be fine. Now, how much and, does it take? How much marijuana? Oh, a couple of hits, and you're—you don't even have to get high. See, this is the most interesting thing. And I, every time we talk to people that take marijuana for medicinal purposes, in any example I've ever seen, the effects usually take uh, take on within one or two hits or three hits. I mean, that's in many people's cases not enough to get high. So I find that plenty for me. Eight hundred two five. You, you don't use it very often. No, I never do anymore. But I mean, my tolerance. These is low. are medical patients who are using it often, and yeah. it's working for them that quickly. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go, the features for free. Enjoy them on us. And uh, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then just go to amp.freetalklive.com. And sign up. It's three bucks a month. All you do is uh, get signed up via PayPal or any major credit card or one of our alternate options. And 
Uh, it'll be pretty much um, automatically drafted from your account. You won't even really have to think about it. What happens with that money is it goes in, gets pooled together with everybody else's three bucks a month, and then we take that money in and we turn it around into advertising for the show. Uh, so just again, go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with that. Uh, and also you'll get some perks too, like the amp only call in lines, amp only chat room and forum. Head on over amp.freetalklive.com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has got a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com backslash talk and get 50% off one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% at AdamEve.com backslash talk. 800-259. I was hoping you'd moan after that or something. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 800-259-9231. People were counting on me for some kind of uh, I actually thought about it. It crossed my mind, but it didn't seem appropriate. Now, do do, do backslashes work on the Internet? I think they do. What do you mean a backslash? No, they don't work. You can't tell people forward? to put in backslashes on the well, internet. Well, what is, should I, I don't say know slash? What the hell, I, I think slash, dash, I mean, it's does slash. I mean? Slash is, it's a forward slash. Slash but, is the low one on the keyboard. Right. It, basically, you, the way you want to think about it is you, well, you read from left to right, correct? Uh, so I do. Most people do. So when you're, when, you're, when you're looking from left to right, the starting point of the slash, if it's closer to the left... Then it's a forward slash. Okay. If the starting point is, uh, wait a minute, that's not right. Never mind. I think that's accurate as to what you were saying. No, because the backslash starts in the on the left too. So it's it's there's mean? no easy way to explain it. Anyways, the question mark key. Oh, I see. Lower um, left though. If the slash is slashing forward to the that right, doesn't then mean that's, anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam. AdamEve.com slash talk. Let them figure out which slash it is. Uh, so Mitt Romney says that president... Now, I normally don't talk about politicians, but this deserves to be discussed because it's just nonsense. From CNN, White House hopeful Mitt Romney Thursday articulated his position on the role of religion in America. He said, and by the way, he hopes to become the first Mormon president, said that, quote, religious tolerance would be a shallow principle indeed if, we're, we're, if it were reserved only for faiths with which, re, uh, with which we agree. There are some who would have a presidential candidate describe and explain his church's distinctive doctrines. To do so would enable the very religious test the founders prohibited in the Constitution. So I can understand being reticent to talk about your religion. I, you know, it's private, I guess. Whatever. But here's the problem. Um, Here's his issue here. No candidate should become the spokesman for his faith, for if he becomes the president, he'll need the prayers of the people of all faiths. Now, that wasn't it. He said, CNN contributor Bill Bennett said he wasn't sure Romney addressed the concerns voters might have with Mormonism, but he added that I don't think he had to. Bennett said, I can see this speech he just gave being given by any of the Republican candidates and most Democratic candidates. Frankly, I'm not sure he was responding to concern. What about this Mormon thing? I think he'll probably get more questions on it and not fewer. Romney spoke at a uh, presidential library at Texas A&M University. He said, what he's trying to say is, I'm a person of faith. Forget the fact what... Forget the fact what my faith is, that I'm a Mormon. You might be Christian. You might be Jewish. I'm a person of faith. I believe in God. I'm like you. Romney Um, said religion is... Here's the part I wanted to talk about. Romney said religion is essential to freedom. Quote, freedom requires religion, just as religion requires freedom. Freedom opens the windows of the soul so that man can discover his most profound beliefs and commune with God. Freedom and religion endure together 
or perish alone, mm. said the GOP contender. Well, Freedom requires religion. That's a bunch of gobbledygook. Nonsense. Right, it doesn't make any sense at all, and... Um and and, and I, don't, I don't even know how to address that. I think it ranks right up there with Giuliani's quote about how freedom is authority. Yeah, freedom is security. Doesn't security make is any freedom. sense. Right. So essentially, I as an atheist, I as someone who doesn't have a religion, you are not free. Uh, I apparently can never be free. Um, what? <laughs> I, I can't understand freedom without being religious. Perhaps he's, he's saying that uh, you know if everybody was uh, an atheist, therefore people wouldn't control their actions enough. Um, that apparently the only reason that Mitt Romney doesn't go out on a killing rampage and and rape little uh, children is because God would send him to hell if he did. Apparently, it's the fear of God that keeps Insurance him from going out and doing Christians. these things. What's what did that? you say? Insurance policy. I am good because I don't want to go to hell. Well, now, now I don't think Romney's good. Um, he's a politician. Right, but he which, thinks he's good, or he likes right. to pretend like he's good. Right, he thinks he's good. I'm sure he does. Uh, all you, these politicians. I wonder about politicians. How many of them really think they're doing something good, and how many of them know that they are scumbags? I, I don't mean, know. We'll That's a fine know. question. Yeah, we probably won't ever know the answer to that question. But uh, it is a good question worthy of uh, consideration. You know, how many thugs on the street think that they're doing good? How many I th- thugs? I don't think that they think they're doing good. I think they're they think they're gonna do what it takes to get theirs. Because the fact is, Mitt Romney, while he won't necessarily go run around and you know actually set things on fire and destroy people's lives, he'll have his troops and his thugs do it for him. You pass, he signs something into law, and all of a sudden the force of the government is behind whatever that whatever that law is. And if you break that law, then men with guns are going to come and use force on you in order to get you into compliance. And Mitt Romney's responsible for that. So he absolutely is a violent person. He's just not using the violence directly. He's well, ordering he's, the violence. He's doing a normal everyday violence that we've learned to accept in society, which is government. Um, you know, I. I, but Mitt Romney's religion, uh, his th- that statement's a bunch of gobbledygook. Um, I would agree with you, but his religion doesn't bother me nearly as much as Mike Huckabee's. What's Mike Huckabee's? Mike Huckabee is that biblical literalist um, that's running, okay. he's, and he's doing better and better in Iowa. Apparently, mm. he, there's a possibility that he could win the Iowa caucus. Uh, uh, the, the, well, he, I don't know that it, how much it matters, but um, he's he's not going to win. But this guy believes that uh, you know Noah. Well, you took don't know that, two Mark. Of, uh, He's not going to win. How do you know? The Did presidency? you say that Bill Clinton was at 1% at one point? Mike Huckabee could win. He's at higher than 1%. Okay. Mike uh, Huckabee could win as much as Ron Paul could win, couldn't he? I mean, uh, if you're just looking at the poll numbers, anybody can win. If you're looking at actual support, I'm Ron just, Paul's got the support. Right. Huckabee it's only doesn't. A, it's only a prediction. I believe it thoroughly. Um but you know this guy believes that uh, you know Noah took two of every animal and floated around on the the earth for um, <laughs> a, a, a full year. Uh, I mean he's a biblical literalist. He believes yeah. that uh, we got different languages in the world because God decided to mix things up at the Tower of Babel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, he, th- th- that crap, Jonah was eaten by the whale, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That kind of um, that kind of thinking just baffles There's no me. thinking there. It's uh, just accepting what you're told. And and I, I I can't see that the leader of the free world believing that. Kind of thing. Um, His slogan is like faith, family, and freedom. freedom. Yeah, I'm, well, he, no. and he's and he's like a, a Democrat that believes thoroughly in in, um, in God. I mean, mm. you know, he's 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 a political moderate, or excuse me, a, a fiscal moderate. He supports he supported the teachers' union with their big school increase there, and he, I sure. mean, he increased taxes more than Bill Clinton did in Arkansas. 
So uh, well, he's, he, claimed he scares he me more. Something about ending the IRS I saw on his website, which I figured that wasn't really. There was there had to be some sort of a catch. And he's probably talking about a flat tax. Yeah, yeah, replace it with a with the uh, so-called fair tax, which of course is just you can't have fair taxes. It's not possible. <laughs> And the fair tax is a mess. Short anyway. on time, but let's talk to Rishi in New Orleans. Uh, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, um, I'm interested in um, George W. Bush's executive. I'm not sure if it's an executive order, but it's Directive 51. Um, I think he did it like May 9th, 2007. I'm not exactly sure the what date. What is it? Um, it gives him power of constitutional, of all uh, branches of constitutional government, judicial, legislative, and executive, and that that bothers me somewhat, and due to the fact that since he has his power, he can declare martial law at any time, and the elections would be it would be a moot point at this moment. Well, it should um, bother you. I mean, I don't know if that's really uh, if that ex- if that executive order exists or it actually gives him that power. I don't know. I don't think executive orders can necessarily give him uh, unconstitutional powers. But then again, they do all kinds of unconstitutional things, so he might just be able to get away with it. No one will challenge him. And he's him gotten on it. away with everything else. I don't yeah. see yeah, why he is, wouldn't get yeah, away with a, uh, declaring martial right, law. Right, this has actually happened. Like this is, I, I mean, th- I mean, this has already been done. Like I, I, I'm amazed. I just, I'm in shock. Well, we know that the provisions are in place for martial law. They've uh, they've essentially they've gotten rid of uh, posse comitatus, which was uh, sort yeah. of the prohibition on that. That's now pretty pretty much been taken care of. And we know that they can just pick people up off the streets, uh, call them an enemy combatant, and lock them in a secret military brig. So really, they have laid the groundwork for this. It is something you should be concerned with. And the only way to really fight back against it is to get active and stand up and start talking about liberty again. And I wish we had more time for you, man, but thanks for the call. We are out of it. It has been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. We'll have more time tomorrow night. You can join us then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 